The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast. You won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels. Only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. summer in middle school when I stayed up late every night I, I just wore that tape out I watched it like at least every other day and uh, my husband who uh, like me is also a burlesque dancer he performs under the name Dante the Inferno he loved that uh, the, the flash theme the queen song with the dialogue cut into it mm-hmm. he totally digged it but he never saw the movie how weird is it to be into a song with movie dialogue that you have no idea what the context of any of these lines are? To be fair, I did definitely hear the soundtrack before I had seen the movie. My dad had a cassette tape of the Flash soundtrack. He was a big fan of Queen. Well, yes. Because, of because course. Queen. Because Queen. Yes, it's, that's not needing any explanation. Yeah. And I was rummaging through his tapes and I saw this soundtrack and I put it on and it's Flash! Wah! And it was just so operatic and fantastical that I, I loved the soundtrack and it was probably five, six years before I actually saw the movie. And of course, because I knew the soundtrack so well, that's why I was excited to see the movie and it did, it paid off. Yeah. And to finally get the context for, yes, for some of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the ridiculous context. Holy crap. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're going to get into that and, and so much more on this episode of smack my pitch up. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Yet again, I'm Mike the Hobbit Pickett, host of this and founder of the Geeks Under the Influence Network. And tonight we are talking all things Flash Gordon. I'm very excited to be joined by one uh, Moxie Belouche. Most of those letters were in the correct order, okay, yes. What, how, how would you say? <laughs> Moxie Labouche. Labouche, Yeah, a little spoonerism in there. Yes, that happens from time to time. And by that, I mean regularly. A local burlesque performer and also a podcaster. Podcaster on uh, your brain on facts, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how long have you been doing the podcast? Uh, I started that earlier this year. Your Brain on Facts is uh, things you didn't know, things you thought you knew, and things you didn't even know you didn't know. And I've listened to a few episodes and holy crap. I like that you're you're a little bit playful with the audience in between the factoids where you're just like, yep, that's the thing that happened (laughs) in between all the stuff. So you're still kind of creating a dialogue with your audience in between all the factoids and stuff that you're giving out. So it very much has that professional I, I don't want to necessarily say NPR feel because there's so much more but it's that professional kind of like produced uh factual based educational podcast yeah. well I'm going for like little short documentary but with with personality yeah uh, if you've ever watched the uh, today I found out YouTube channel uh Simon Whistler is a great presenter on there and he's got all this really great information that he puts forth well but there's still plenty of room in there to to kind of get to know him at the same time and I, I feel like your podcast also has that opportunity that people get to know you and kind of your your sense of humor and kind of your interests as well while learning about the subject matter of that episode as well. I um, I listened to a couple and it kind of made me mad a little bit 
because I didn't get started listening when you started coming out. Took me a minute to actually find you, and then when I did, I'm like, I should have been here from the start, like listening Aww, to the episodes. That's very sweet of you, but they are all archived on yourbrainonfacts.com. Oh, trust me, <laughs> I'm going back through them now. Okay, uh, there were some some audio issues in the beginning. First, I wasn't editing enough, and then I was editing too much. So after about episode 10, it kind of levels out and you know, I figured out what I'm supposed to be doing. That's literally any podcaster that's yeah. ever existed. Uh, that's why I love talking to other podcasters because they understand the ebbs and flows of and the insanity that is this little thing that we do. Yeah. It just why is it clipping? It wasn't clipping a minute ago. Yeah, it's, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, trust. We could have long conversations probably off mic about that because tonight we are focusing entirely on Flash Gordon. Now, as you said, you wore out your VHS tapes of Flash Gordon. What was it about Flash Gordon that really just kind of connected with you that made it so, that fantastic that you needed to watch it constantly? It is a complete experience. It has the the campy, humorous quality because you can't take that material too seriously. It's from the golden age of sci-fi. Things could not be too crazy because sci-fi was so new, everything seemed legit. So mm-hmm. pulling those ideas from you know, the the aughts and the 20s and stuff into the 1980s, you can't try to approach that like, you know, Star Wars. Correct. Um, and, and fun fact about uh, Flash Gordon, George Lucas had actually wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie, but he mm-hmm. could not secure the rights from the producer. So he went off and made his own sci-fi movie, which obviously we know as uh, Star Wars. Yes. Well. So we actually have to thank <laughs> De Laurentiis for not signing off the rights on. Because, I don't know. You think back to Jar Jar Binks and you wonder, eh, kind of a mixed bag. You know what? I'd say for, for, for me, the original trilogy makes all the Jar Jar worth it, um, as much as that is painful to say out loud. Uh, but you do get some notes of, of at least homage to Flash Gordon with the kind of campy sci-fi fantasy mm-hmm. element that is incorporated in Star Wars. And that's something that's constantly the debate between Star Wars and Star Trek is that Star Trek is hard sci-fi. Yeah, it, it's much it, much more science based, bringing bringing plausible science into the science fiction. And and Star Wars is super not. It's la- it's laser <laughs> it, swords and walking bear creatures. Yeah. And... By the way, if you have a sword that's made out of a laser, it just keeps going. There's no end to it. Where like you will be cutting planets in half, you know, light years away with this laser sword that you have. So yeah, yeah and and. It... Ben Kenobi says this this elegant weapon, and first thing Luke does is point it at his eyes. Uh, it is very much in line with Flash Gordon, because anybody that, and I'm hoping most of the people listening are familiar with this fantastic film, it definitely pulls simultaneously elements from sci-fi and fantasy and, and football. Uh, yeah, well, well, because, because the, well. the main character, Flash Gordon, was a uh, professional football player who finds himself on a small commuter plane with a reporter named uh, Dale Arden in a time when all this crazy weather is happening to the Earth. There's like hot hail and earthquakes and all kinds of stuff and nobody knows what's going on and they're on this little commuter flight and he's hit, he's flirting with her and everything's good except all of a sudden the pilots are gone from the plane and they crash and they crash near the laboratory of they uh, crash Wah. yeah i'd sing along too but i'm not allowed to court, yeah. or, court order oh fair enough. um <laughs> and and that's where they meet uh dr hans zarkov formerly of nasa who has these theories about you know what's happening and he knows that there is these are not natural phenomenon, that there is something from outer space that's doing this, which the audience knows from the lead-in is uh, a fellow we're going to meet soon, uh, played by Max von Sydow, who you've seen more recently as the Three-Eyed Raven on the mm-hmm. last season of Game of Thrones. And I kicked myself for not recognizing him until after I looked it up. 
um, Ming the Merciless is actually toying with the planet Earth for his own amusement. Uh, Dr. Zarkov tricks uh, Flash and Dale into his homemade rocket ship, which is always where you want to be. Uh, he had seatbelts in it, so it wasn't, you know, wasn't completely unsafe. And they, they blast off and find themselves uh, kind of out of the frying pan and into the fire. They've gone to Mongo, the home of Ming the Merciless, and they, they go to all these different planets and meet all these different races of people, mm-hmm. uh, all of whom are being crushed under this oppressive regime by this strange-looking guy, and I can't imagine what that feels like. It's so, you know, it's so different from what the life we live. Um, and, they all, <laughs> and they all end up banding together to, uh, to overthrow him. The end, question mark? I love that they threw in the, like, Manos Hand of Fate question mark at the end, just to, is it? Yeah, well, they were hoping for a sequel. But um, Sam Jones, who played um, Sam Jones, who played uh, Flash Gordon, the titular character, had gotten into a disagreement with the producer, a bad enough disagreement with the producer that like as punishment, first name, last name is De Laurentiis. I remember that. Uh, Dino De Laurentiis. Dino, yeah, yeah. Dino De Laurentiis. Had Sam Jones, half of Sam Jones's dialogue dubbed by another actor. And no one can seem to find the name of this other actor. We don't know who this guy was that dubbed. Sam Jones's lines, or why? Because he speaks perfectly fine. Yeah, you know, and there are some. There are some. Um, there's a really heavy uh, Italian accent uh, from from Princess Princess Aura. Uh, you know, like how bad could he have been? So this was punishment from the producer for getting mouthy with him, and then he bailed. So there would be no uh, no sequel, even though they had planned to do one set on Mars for the second one. Okay. <laughs> I did notice while uh, rewatching something I w- probably wouldn't have picked up on as a kid is that the uh, the dubbing on some of it in general was a little bit off, where yeah. the, the the mouth didn't necessarily meet the audio half the time. But that was something that came along with uh, bad sci fi movies of the time of the era. So you, there was so much overdubbing in in the eighties. Anyway, the first time mm. we see Arnold Schwarzenegger, Hercules in New York, yep. uh, they were completely un- uh, convinced that no one would be able to understand him. And so he's overdubbed with a thoroughly unconvincing voice. There's no way that voice is coming out of that body. I had a similar moment where we were watching uh, Brain Damage, an old uh, 80s uh, sci-fi horror movie, where there's a little kind of mollusk creature, alien creature that like controls people with their with uh, injecting them with space drugs, basically. (laughs) And he's got a. Well, hi, how you doing? Kind of voice that it's just not matching this weird mollusk creature with oh, a... Oh, so it's like a little worm from Labyrinth. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Come in here and have a cup of tea. How are you? Yeah, it's it's just not the right voice for that character. But speaking of characters, let's uh let's get into our our pitch for uh for Smack My Pitch Up on Flash Gordon. Now, are you doing a, a reboot? Are you doing a sequel? Or are you doing I a... would very much like to do um a remake in the same amount of effort as went into the total recalls and stuff we've had recently, but for a totally different reason, not for the cash grab of, Hey, this made a lot of money before. Let's see if we can make a lot of money this time. If I sat my nephews down to watch the 1980 flash Gordon, they would see the effects and, and the overall campiness of it. And they'd bail, they'd be on their phones and I wouldn't be able to make, to get them to watch it. So I would like to, to redo this with the same spirit and love of the original, but just, so we could get the kids today to sit down and watch the damn thing. Sure. You know, so that's why I would like to do a remake. And also, God forbid it do well, if you do the same story of Flash saving Earth, it's, while a complete story, so if you only get the one movie, you're done. You know, we did everything we set mm-hmm. out to do. But then you've got the whole rest of the universe to play with in sequels. That is true. And that's something that 
really, uh, I, I feel spoke to me when we were talking about doing this uh, as, as an episode because there's so much story for Flash Gordon. I mean, this was uh, originally showed up in the comics in, I think, the 1930s. And then there were serials uh, yeah. of Flash Gordon before the movie even came out. So there's plenty of material the, to the draw from. The porn parody Flesh Gordon, Flesh Gordon actually came out before this movie. It came out in 1974. So this property has been used and reused and abused for, for you know, like 100 years now. So it's about time that we actually have something that, like, the major populace can appreciate, not just a cult following of this film. And I, I agree that there's definitely a possibility for that. Now, how would you go about doing um, a a remake? Would you... Uh, change the story particularly, or would you kind of go with the original? I'd keep I'd keep the story largely, largely the same. Okay, I, I think it's a really solid premise. Um, and one thing that's great about it is he is saving the Earth, and we're not just seeing shots of New York City, you know, or sure. or San Francisco, or like you know, this the whole planet is getting saved, not yes. just New York. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is definitely a, a plus side uh, tonally. Is it going to be a similar tone? Are you going for that like high camp or are you kind of giving it a little bit of that DC uh, like sadness dust or, or? No, there there is. We don't need grit. Grit is for sandpaper. We don't need we don't need to do a gritty reboot of Flash Gordon. Could you imagine a gritty Flash Gordon where he's let's say Henry Cavill is playing Flash Gordon and he's just like, not. Ming, I knew you would be here, you know, just like pissed off and like ready to fight. And... Yeah. And then crying like a little bitch afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm I'm good on that. You Thank on you. That? You know. Uh, no, uh, definitely it has Ming, to have your mom's camp. name is Martha. My mom's name is Martha. Who just yells out their mother's name in in. I, I mean, mean, like somebody with maybe some issues they need to focus on uh, before <laughs> they get into situations where yeah, they might yell their mom's name. You know, go to therapy, then become a superhero. So my take on the story is going to be like you. I don't want to deviate too far from the original storyline of Flash Gordon. But what I did want to do is incorporate some elements from different iterations uh, of, of Flash Gordon. Kind of pull it all together. Not only is that going to create Easter eggs for the fanboys. But it's also going to give it enough of a change of tone um, to separate it from the original. Uh, I didn't like the Psycho remake because it was shot for shot. It's I read, would rather yeah. just watch the original. So one thing I thought would be fun is I think it's Dynamite Comics. Uh, they have a run of Flash Gordon comics where it's set in the 1930s, which is where Flash Gordon originally you know, started coming out in comic strips. So you do a, a time period, uh, Flash Gordon, where you do kind of a mixture of... I want to say uh, kind of somewhere between steampunk. Don't, and, I knew you were going to say steampunk. Just yeah, slap some brass gears on it. But not not quite steampunk. A little bit of diesel punk in there as well. You want you wanted a little bit of dirt. D- diesel punk, I can I can accept. And in the 1930s, you know, everything's industrialized, and yeah, we have all this. Yeah, you want you want steam, but you also want like grease and oil and gears and like it's it's especially. So maybe he could he could be working in a in a, a metal foundry or factory or something. Big, yeah, big you, strapping lad. Um, yeah, big big strapping dude that um, maybe. You still pull the football elements that he was a former high school football captain jock guy that is now working in a foundry at the small town and finds himself in this larger than, well, earth (laughs) situation. And uh, he ends up on Mongo, which is as stylized as the original and, and a little bit on the campsite. It's not overly CGI. I want 
a lot of practical, practical I want effects. It, yeah. You, I want people to start looking for the strings on stuff. You know, I, I feel like that's important for this, that you have a little bit of that. I want, the, I want them to forget to look for the strings, you know, to, the, to, to have the practical effects go as far as they can go and then augment that with the CGI. Because that, that always gives you the best results. Sure. Game of Thrones does that amazingly. There's, I'll watch Making of and I'm like, there, I didn't even know there was CGI in the scene at all. And it's half CGI, you know. But do they do it really well? I kind of want almost as notes to the original feelings that the skyline is obviously a backdrop, not but, but a matte painting, like a, a matte like, a matte painting or something like, like that. There's yeah. like, I think there's like, like two matte painters left. Let's get those guys and get those guys yeah. out there. You know, they did it with Star Wars and it worked out well. Yeah. Like they've done, they did it with all the movies back in the day. Let's kind of incorporate that a little bit in here, where you're nodding to the camp. You're not trying to destroy it completely, but you're also adding modern elements as well so there's you try to find a nice balance between the two that i feel is going to be what both helps the the already big fans of flash gordon accept a newer iteration but also pull in a new audience at the same time yeah and that and that can be a tricky thing is just to get that sweet spot where it's as satisfying to the hardcore fans as it is to to the newcomers that's always the trick yeah. but but you've got to add a little bit of a Totology. I mean, you can't have Flash Gordon showing up in the in the uh, little short shorts and his little like super tight. I beg to differ, sir. <laughs> I beg to differ. It depends whose 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 thighs we have. I That's guess, true. You know? That is true. Whose thighs are, are, are who is playing Flash Gordon? I guess would be the uh, the real trick there. But uh, you could also make plays on that where you know the last guy that tried to stop me. You know, here's his clothes, and it's just like something from the seventies or something in there. Oh, it's those those little black shorts he was wearing in the dungeon, just the little little, little black booty shorts. Yes, that Sam yes. Jones had on. You know what? Yeah, I'll give that to you. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, falter on that. He Sam Jones was a little bit of man meat in this, and I feel like that kind of needs to translate into the new one as well. Like you you need to have that like jockey kind of personality with this new character, and you know, show a little skin. Why not? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the fun. You know, and and that's, you know, gender equality. The the man flesh should be on parade for no reason, too. I fully agree. I, I loved that uh, in the early 2010s, comedies started just showing dicks. Yeah. Randomly, like, that was the funny thing is, like, dicks are just, like, blatantly out in comedies. And I, I Well, was, they're inherently funny. They are because they're weird looking. Yeah. Like, let's just there, lean into that. There, there was a great comic. Uh, who said that 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 lady parts are all nice and neat and and tucked in like a little package, and man parts look like God was tying a bow and the phone rang. <laughs> uh, yeah, man parts looks like balloon animals, and uh, lady parts looks like a really nice napkin that was folded on top of your plate uh, before yeah. a nice meal. Which I could get deeper into that, and I'm not gonna. So I think we should probably get into who we would cast in our Flash Gordon movie. First off is director. I don't know if you have any directors figured out. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, if we want something that is action-packed, but fairly funny and has a great soundtrack, I can think of no one better than Edgar Wright. That's a good call. And Thank could you. you imagine how much fun Edgar Wright would have with a Flash Gordon movie? Tons, I hope. That's why I picked him. Yeah, no, that's that's a good call. Um, <laughs> do you have a, a funny one, or is that just like the one you're going with? Like, that is your... Oh, I, I probably wrote down a funny one, but I was just so excited. Oh, no, um, uh, I thought, well, rather than the bright, bold colors of the uh, 80s version, and if you ever look up the serials from the 30s, they just basically recreated Ming's costume. It's the same costume from the 30s. Mm -hmm. But rather than those dark, bold, standout colors, let's do it all pastel and give it to Wes Anderson. It'll be whimsy. <laughs> 
I can see it's just like the ultimate white privilege uh, Flash Gordon movie. And I, I love white. I, 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 I love white Anderson, uh, Wes Anderson. Um, but yeah, you were going to say I love white privilege. I, well, I mean, it's not bad. Like, I feel bad. Nobody else that that. Let me just stop there. Uh, I wish everyone could get stop, the white stop digging, privilege. old boy. Yeah, I'm going to I'm just going to stop right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think Wes Anderson would be a good choice. It would be uh, an interesting uh, take on the material. There'd be a lot of like mumble conversations between uh, Flash Gordon and his, uh, and Dale, uh, his love interest. And uh, Princess Aura would, Aura would be definitely the, feels like a character almost from a Wes Anderson movie because she's just like kind of. Uh, It'd be Gwyneth Paltrow again, Gwyn- for starters. Gw- Gwyneth. Yeah, definitely. If it's a Wes Anderson uh, joint. Covered in her little NASA stickers with a jade egg upper hoo-ha. There we go. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Uh, for me, I am uh, my funny. I, I went thematic with my funny. Because of the soundtrack, how much I loved the soundtrack when I was growing up. Before I even saw the movie. I figured that I would do not necessarily a musical approach to Flash Gordon, but definitely almost kind of a musical feel without necessarily musical numbers. So I wanted it to have musical people in it that have like over overarching flamboyance. I, I don't think Robert Preston's still working. Um, what I went with is somebody that both knows sci-fi really well and has been dying to do a full length uh, musical for the longest time. Uh, one Joss Whedon. See, I'd like to hate that. I'd like to argue this with you, but I'm afraid he could pull it off. That's, it would not be it would not be the flash I wanted. No. But it would probably be the flash I deserve. And that's why that's the funny. That's yeah. that's the funny because I think it's one of those that it would upset a lot of people. There'd be a lot of mad people that's like, I didn't want a flash oh, Gordon. Oh, the Twitter whimsical... sphere will blow up. Oh, yes, that would be uh, Even people who ridiculous. don't know what Flash Gordon is are going to freak out. But yeah. that's part of the fun of this podcast is join me on this journey through <laughs> through Flash Gordon where we presuppose if Joss Whedon was able to get a hold of this product and create a musical based on it. Then, how, how to Enrage Man Babies 101. Oh my God. Well, it's not difficult, really. Like, you, it's super easy. I'm even a man and I can do it like without any effort whatsoever. So if I had lady parts, oh, forget about it. Anything I said, it would be just be the If you had lady thing. parts, I don't think you'd have the time to do this podcast. That's probably true. Yeah. I'd be busy like just deleting dick pics that I got on Facebook. I found out just how prevalent that was recently, actually, and it's terrifying. Oh, I don't understand I, why sad. women are on I, social media in general. I not- never have any I never have any filtered requests in my Facebook message box and I'm like, I'm not don't even say a little that bit pretty. Podcast. Holy crap. Are you inviting doom? <laughs> well, it, it is flattering. Yeah, no, okay. The first well, couple. <laughs> the first and then after that it's like it's like slapping dicks away. But it also it also gives you the opportunity for some fabulous retorts, you know, cuz cuz you have now opened the door for me to say whatever horrible thing I'm thinking to you. And also uh, on my phone at all times, I have been equipped with a, a photo my husband provided. Uh, it's a pose called bat wings. Oh, yes. 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 So I just send that back to people. There we go. Yes. There we go. All right. So uh, Joss Whedon is my funny director. For the serious director, I could think of none other than the, the director whose film actually stopped the pre-production on a Flash Gordon film that was supposed to be starting around 20, uh, 2014, 2015. Yeah, they were trying to reboot it in with, 2015. With uh, Matthew Vaughn, known from the uh, the Kingsman series of movies, was involved with uh, producing a uh, and, and possibly directing a Flash Gordon movie, but with the 
success of Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, they decided to hold off for a little bit. So I figured, yeah, for my fun, uh, James Gunn would be a pretty. I mean, it's it's a little on the nose. He but, could out, he could outsource it to his PA at this point. Yeah, pretty much, and they'd be just able like, to, you remember what we did last year? Just go in there and do that again. Just do that, but with a football player. Yeah, like, cool. Yeah, that's that's easy. I can do that. So James Gunn is my director for my serious side of things. No, so. but it's a solid choice because there are obvious parallels between. Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, Flash Gordon, that whole crew. And of course, the soundtrack's awesome. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's got... That's why I think a Flash Gordon movie would be able to do well, because the su- pleasant surprise of Guardians of the Galaxy being so good, it has all the elements that make Flash Gordon good. So why wouldn't a Flash Gordon movie do well? It, it would. Yeah. It just Of course, uh, another solid choice would be Tim Miller, uh, who uh, directed the Deadpool Correct. movies. Correct, yes, you know? yes. So again, again, action, comedy, and soundtrack. It's another good good guy to go to. That's actually a good call. Yeah. So uh, for characters, who do you have for Flash? Oh, well, Jason Statham. Just put that out there. Throw it against the wall. See if it sticks. Jason Statham? Yeah. Like hard gristled, like... Hard gristled, cockney Jason Statham. (laughs) In the little shorty shorts. And I think that's really the only reason that you want uh, Jason Statham in there. I don't see him. That's as... not even. That's not even my real one. But it's okay. my funny one. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm just. I'm picturing him. Um, it was like that scene in the transporter um, with the the oil drums. That sure. fight scene. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody didn't like that. The, the I, guy. The the men liked it. The women liked it. The lesbians liked it. Everybody liked that scene. I could see either before filming or in a scene in the movie, him looking down at his little short shorts and his little his little uh, athletic. Tank top, a tank yeah. top, and going. I look like an asshole, or I can't do accents, yeah. but you know, in his Cockney, and uh, and he would be, he would look like an asshole, but he would probably still look pretty damn good. Yeah. To be fair. Oh yeah, no, so, he'd, be, he'd be in GQ in that outfit. All right, so we've got the transporter uh, space edition that's happening yeah. uh, on this one. Uh, who's your serious? Oh, Ray Fisher, best known to audiences recently as Cyborg. He oh okay. he has action chops. He is fit, and he has got this really gorgeous boy next door smile. And that's, there is no reason that the boy next door, all American corn fed guy, has to be blonde. That's true. Yeah. Um, I I I was thinking too much about the blonde with my my choices, but because I mean actually, it always was uh, the the original drawings, then Buster Crab in the thirties, sure, and everything. Sure. Yeah. But no, I think that's actually a pretty solid choice. He he's a good actor, and he he definitely is able to handle the action sequences necessary but yeah he does have a charming familiar feeling about himself so yeah i think that's a good call uh for me for the funny side now remember this is going to be kind of musical uh or uh, not necessarily musical in singing so much as there's that musical whimsy about the uh the progression kind of how la la land felt like a musical but wasn't actually a musical kind of that approach but Mm -hmm. with like Zany sci-fi Joss Whedon-ness okay. uh, involved. I went with Chris Hemsworth because he obviously he's because we're having an action movie, so let's get a get a Hemsworth tall, in there. Get a Hemsworth in there. He's tall yeah. and blonde. He can also do the comedy, but he's also able to do the action sequences. That's my funny. Uh, my serious, the James Gunn side. I went with a slightly lesser-known actor, but you may be familiar with him. He played Havoc in X Men: First Class. Uh, Lucas Till. He's got he's got the blonde hair. He's got a good shape yeah. to be a quarterback. You know, he, he's got a lot of acting chops. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He's uh, also played a football player in some TV show. I can't remember off offhand, yeah. but 
I think he's got the right look to be able to kind of step into those shoes a little bit and kind of fill it out. He's got a little bit of that brooding darkness behind the jovial <laughs> facade. We're, kind we're, of we're, we're not doing grit. We're not doing grit. No, 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 no. He's going to be that, that it's more of kind of that, that tenant doctor who thing where he's whimsy out front, but there's that, but like, then he can get severe. Yeah. There's that, that hard turn when necessary, when things yeah. go grim, he's able to meet it and, right. and actually, you know, step up to the situation. That's, so. that's a valid selection. Yeah. So, uh, do you have a, uh, Ming the Merciless? Oh, we're jumping straight to Ming. We're, or do you have another character you want? Well, I just, I wrote them down in the order they came to my brain. So the okay. next, the next one was, was, uh, Dale Arden. Okay. Uh, the love interest. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I would love to cast Elizabeth Moss as my funny only because I think the whole time the audience is looking at her, they're going to be seeing Offred. Okay. And I just want to make them uncomfortable. <laughs> well, that would do it. It was, sure. it was, it was like the, the broken lizard movies. Um, the, the one guy was so convincing as Farva. It took me the length of the entire next movie to not, hear Farva every time he opened his mouth. That's fair. Because it seemed like that was just him and they just like filmed him and wrote a script around him. And I just recently watched uh, Super Troopers 2 for the first time and uh, holy hell, yeah, he's very comfortable in that role. He just jumped right back in, no problem. For me, uh, Dale Arden, I decided with Joss Whedon at the helm of my kind of whimsical, musically kind of motivated movie, an actress I feel would be a perfect choice for a Joss Whedon joint. Uh, Alison Brie, well, to, to uh, be the love interest yes. that that I think would fit perfectly as, as she's she's cute, she's a brunette. Counter to Chris Hemsworth, not only the size difference would be hilarious because she is a tiny lady and he is a gigantic man. I mean, he played a a Norse god. Um, that that would be amusing in its own right. But she's also got a little bit of you know she she can get a little bit shitty when necessary <laughs> as well, which is important I feel for that character. What do you got for your serious? Uh, for my serious one, see, I had written these down in different sections. I'm like, actually, I think I could swap these girls around. I did that for one of mine, yeah. Because I did that. I did this with with um, with Dale and with Princess Aura, uh, and I'm going to go with my my second choice since it seems like I thought about it more. I didn't. Um, uh, handwriting, Jennifer Goodwin. Jennifer Goodwin. You're going to have to look her up. I will be completely honest. I'm falling behind in pop culture and I just Googled hot actresses. Okay. <laughs> and she is, she's been in a lot of stuff even recently. Um, she's on the radar and she's cutie patootie. Okay. She's cutie patootie, but does not look helpless because um, Dale was not a complete uh, damsel in distress no, in the, in the eighties version, but I would d- there's like a scene of her strafing with a laser gun, you know, and, and I'd, I'd like to see, I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see more of the, okay, they're over there doing their thing to save the earth. I'm over here doing my thing to, to get out of here and save the earth. That was actually a very similar train of thought that I had for my serious choice for the, for the character. I wanted an actress that can do the, the hot strutting, you know, how you doing kind of character, but also, you know, that you should not fuck with her. And I felt like Anne Hathaway was a good choice there that eh. she's, she's a little bit more sultry than I would necessarily go for that character. But, uh, but I think she would be able to at least, uh, witticism wise, be able to hold her own against a title character, um, pr- relatively well. So, yeah, and I mean, she's, she's been in, you know, she, some major, she was Catwoman. Yeah, she's so, Catwoman yeah, and, so, yeah. so I th- that's kind of where I went. My princess aura is pretty, 
weird <laughs> my choices there. Do you have a Princess Aura? Or? I'll let you start this one. Okay. So musically speaking, Princess Aura, what I kind of liked about the character is that she's got a um, very sharp featured, which make up mostly uh, for that character, but just kind of an odd look and kind of quiet for the most part, but not in a introverted way. It's more of just kind of a, this kind of like. She's very feline. Very much, yeah. She's just a, she's just slinking along in the periphery and waiting for something to her advantage. Yeah. So I wanted a, a, a actress or or musician in in one case that had that kind of tone to their personality in general I, that I thought would transfer well. So for the the funny choice, the musical whimsy, um, I wanted kind of a, a out with it, Lord. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I figured that she even act. I don't know that she does, but also that character isn't a major character in the film. Like it has definitely scenes for sure, but yeah. it's not something that's going to make or break the film. No. Like you can have a musician turned actress that comes into that role yeah. that uh, of a character that is soft spoken or, or doesn't speak very much and be able to kind of pull it off. And I, I but think even though or is a, a minor character, she's a dynamic character. Cause at least in the plot of the 1980 movie, she changes sides. She realizes that is true. Holy crap. My father is evil and I've been benefiting from that my whole life and I need to help these people now. Well, that's something I feel like a, a remake could really dig into a little bit more too, is that it took, I, I don't think it necessarily hit those notes strongly enough in the, in yeah, the 80s. It would definitely be something to exp- um, expound on of the, the different princes and the different planets all realizing that flash standing up against Ming and succeeding was enough for them to go, oh, okay, we can do this too. And it all it took was a champion, basically, to stand behind. Yeah, one, one person willing to make themselves a target. Yes. In order for them to go, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to follow this guy. And that's all it took. Um, so Princess Aura, Lord, is my funny. Uh, my Sirius, also an actress that is uh, soft-spoken in some ways, I believe has been cast in the new Suspiria uh, remake that's coming out. Uh, was in a film that's available on Netflix right now called The Survivalist and uh, has been in a number of other films and uh, very, very good actress, is able to speak a lot with uh, with just her expressions and her and her body language, which I feel for this character would be appropriate. Uh, Mia Goth. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar. No, or... but I'm going to make sounds that make it sound like I am. Okay, fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Uh, she's, I think... Looks very similar to the actress that that uh, portrayed uh, Princess Aura in the original, and that, that, that was one uh, Ornella Muti. Ornella Muti, yes. Um, <laughs> I I think she would be a really good choice. If you're unfamiliar with Mia Goth, just look her up on the IMDb, and uh, I, I tell me what you think. I think that would be actually a pretty legitimate casting for that character. So, um, do you have a Princess Aura? Yes. Well, or? for my Princess Aura. Scarlett Johansson, but, but, I want her to play the role as an elderly disabled black man. I mean, she'll take it. That's true. Yeah. No, she is actually uh, apparently good at uh, taking roles that she doesn't necessarily fit into. So, yeah, yeah um, that, that could work. I'd pull a Tropic Thunder, but not good no. uh, <laughs> approach to it. No, there are some fabulous uh, memes where people are, are um, updating movie posters they like one's one. about Rosa Parks, Rosa Parks and um, Harriet Tubman yeah. and, and all kinds of stuff like that, and putting Scarlett Johansson's oh, face on there. Oh, ScarJo, what you doing? What you doing? It was bad enough with uh, 
with Ghost in the Shell, uh, with all the the pushback on that, and then this happens. It's just yeah. I yeah. mean, it, at least with Ghost in the Shell, you can be like, it's an android. It's not real. Yeah, but this, that's true. That's the one. For this was a person. Yeah. And we have that kind of people walking around right now. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought about casting Kelsey Grammer as Beast. I'm like, get the guy who did the voice in the cartoon because he's shaped right and he's not doing anything right now. <laughs> there we go. Uh, no, my serious choice for for uh, Princess Aura, uh, Natalie Dormer. Natalie Dormer. Marjorie Tyrell. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, I like that a lot, yeah. actually. that's I, I didn't even think little, about little, her. Little Miss Smirky Smirk. She is Smirky Smirk, and she, again... Like I was saying with uh, Mia Goth is that that's an actress that is able to express a lot with just body language and facial expressions yeah. um, without even having to say anything. So, yeah, that that's yeah, I like that a lot. That's Thank really you. solid. Do you have a Zarkov? Well, Zarkov was originally played by uh, Topol, who, if people didn't see him in Flash Gordon, may have seen him in the movie adaptation of Fiddler on the Roof as Tevya. Mm-hmm. Love that. Can never get past Sunrise, Sunset. So boring. Anyway, um so if we need an affable old Jew, Billy Crystal. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Bonus fact, Rob Reiner had to leave the set uh, of The Princess Bride during the Miracle Max uh, scenes because Billy Crystal was just riffing so much off the top of his head. Rob Reiner could be heard laughing on camera. Mandy Patinkin, who played uh, Inigo, didn't have that luxury. He actually cracked a rib trying to hold still. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Trying that not sounds- to laugh. That sounds like something that would happen on a set with Billy Crystal, for sure. Yeah. But a serious choice, though. Um, I would like to to gender swap this character, not just because, but this is a character, um, their main arc is that no one listened to them. They knew what was happening, and no one listened to them. Okay. So I think it would be particularly important to give that role uh, to a woman. Okay. And just as with uh, Miss Muti's beautiful accent in the original uh, Flash Gordon as Aura, I would like to cast Isabella Rossellini. Ooh, okay. And if, and if you tell me you wouldn't listen to her read a phone book, you're a goddamn liar. Yeah, no, yeah, I would be a goddamn liar because I could listen to that woman talk all day long. Her her accent and her inflections on stuff are just beyond reproach for sure. My uh, my Zarkov, I with my funny again with it being kind of whimsical and musical, I figured nobody better than the man that is gonna walk. He's gonna walk hard, Mr. John yeah, no. C. Riley. Oh. oh no! Oh, did that hurt your feelings a little bit? <laughs> it hurts my head and my will to live. <laughs> I think him is just playing almost his no, I'm character. Just, I'm, I'm picturing that the Adult Swim. Yes, what? No, that's kind of what I was no. going for. His him almost reprising that role. With a little bit more Just, ability to speak to people. Why don't you get people. Tim and Eric in while we're at it? No, let's. I'm not going that far. But I, I feel like Zarkov, first off, is a very important character in it, but he's not in the film very much. He, he's in short sequences throughout the film. Well, he, he will be if I if we cast Isabella Rossellini. I want to make true. sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Just like it's the, now the, the Zarkov the do- show. Doctor Doctor Hanna Zarkov is going to be in there constantly. Yeah. Jussie Riley does not need to be in there that much. No. Just kind of coming in as almost the kind of incontinent, you know, uh, scientist that got them there and is not really sure what's going on half the time, I think would be a lot of fun. Fun would be one word for yes. it. Yes. <laughs> uh, my serious choice. Not only does he look very similar to the actor that played Hans Zarkov in the original, but is a 
unbelievable actor in his own right that doesn't get enough chances to play a live action character. I'm on tenterhooks. Um, Mr. Andy Serkis. Well, yeah. Yeah, give Andy Serkis anything. Give yeah, him anything give him, he wants. Give him pretty much anything he, he wants. He can be Zarkov. He can be Ming. He can be Dale if he wants there to. Well, I mean, with the right mocap, he can do yeah, anything. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like he doesn't need to mocap for this. He looks very similar to the actor that, that played. Eh. Uh, uh, eh. A little close bit, a little bit, a little bit. If 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 our, if your audience wants to enjoy actually seeing him, uh, not seeing a mocap, um, I recommend the film um, Burke and Hare, uh, starring Simon Pegg, about the Grave famous robbers. body snatchers. Yes, yeah. yeah, that was a great film. Burke's the butcher, Hare's the thief, knocks the man that buys the beef. See, this is why I had to do a podcast. All of the real estate up here <laughs> is already occupied. I'm trying to get some of it out. There we go. So I, I feel like Andy Serkis needs more live action roles. Yes, and I absolutely. think he would do a great job in that and be able to be both kind of maniacal, but also, you know, a, a character that you want to kind of root for the entire time as well. Yeah, because I mean, he does initially kidnap the two heroes. Yes, yes. And but, stick them in a homemade spaceship. But by the end of it, he's not a bad guy. Like you're, you're he's on board. Yeah, he's, he's one of the heroes. Yeah, absolutely. So I figured Serkis would be a good call. Um, do you have, who else do you have? Well, there's uh, there's Prince Baron. That could okay. be a pretty quick one. Uh, yep. Played in the 1980 movie by Timothy Dalton. So I say, let's keep the Bond thing going. Give it to Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Okay. Yeah. Just give it to Daniel Craig. Just give it to Danny. Well, he's sick of doing Bond. So let's, you know. That's true. Give him something else. I'm sorry. All those lifetime supply of Aston Martins too much for you there, buddy. Boy, rich people problems. Um, No, because it's not a big role. Some of the ones that you you have debated are not big characters that I debate are more important characters. And Baron's actually a pretty... Small. True. It's a pretty small character in the rebellion. So let's just Chris Pine doesn't seem to be working as much as he was a couple of years ago. So let's throw him a bone. For Baron? believe it or for Baron, yeah, for Prince okay. Baron. Believe it or not, that's my serious. Actually, Chris Pine was a consideration that I had for Flash Gordon because I was thinking of like somebody that could be a football player. Yeah, and that's that's definitely I think one that came to my mind as well because you think you just got to think blonde everyman kind of character. Yeah. He'd be top of the list. For my uh, whimsical Joss Whedon joint uh, version of Prince Baron, I went with a, a Oscar award-winning actor who apparently is kind of a dick, but I think should could pull off the balance between being kind of a dick and also, in the end, kind of stepping up and being one of the good guys. Daniel Day-Lewis? No. Oh, God. Good. I don't think this is going to have the budget for a Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, maybe for the whimsy of it being a Flash Gordon movie, we could get Jared he, he Leto would in want there. To, he would want to actually go live in outer space, yes. though, is the problem yeah. with him. Uh, but Jared Leto is my my Joss Whedon uh, funny choice for that. I think he would be... Yeah, there's... He would, he would overplay n- n- the role nothing, a bit, Nothing the fanboys are going to hate about that. Nothing whatsoever. My real choice for Prince Baron, I wanted that like classic good look mm. kind of was very charismatic character. Uh, Clooney's a little too old for it. And I wanted somebody kind of, but had that kind of approach. So John Hamm seemed like the right choice. Yeah. Uh, oh. For, uh, for Prince Baron. Uh, see, I, I think he's, I think he's too good for it. You think he's too I, good I think for he's it? too good. I think that'd be a step down. Uh, have you seen, have you seen the, the Netflix series, The Young Doctor's Notebook? Yes, I have with Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. How, oh, now, now so how Daniel Radcliffe was supposed to grow into John Hamm in the next 10 years, I don't know. No. But it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, drop everything, call into work. Totally worth it. It's, it's, yeah. it's very it's, dark it's and very funny. Amazing. So that, that's my Baron. Do you have a Voltan? Ah, oh, see, now. This first idea comes directly from the brain, which is almost indistinguishable from out of the ass of uh, my beleaguered husband, Dante the Inferno. 
just CGI Brian Blessed out of the original and just put him in the new one. Just <laughs> okay. cut, cut and paste him right out of there. Well, Voltan, uh, prince of the Hawk people, big, boisterous, blustery, Monique. Monique. Wow. Okay. Okay. I, I can get with that. Yeah. Okay. That's, she hasn't done a lot lately, I don't yeah. think, so she'd be probably available uh, to do it. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, we just look at, you know, what she was complaining Netflix offered her, go 10% over that and we should be fine. There we go. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Uh, this one I was really torn on because it depends on what aspect. Because as far as I'm concerned, that Brian Blessed performance of Voltan is all there is. There are no other interpretations of the character. That, that was kind of the hard choice here. Yeah. yeah. And so it depends on what aspect of that you want to bring forward into the new version. If you want intensity, um, I was torn between Brian Cox, who uh, he's just he's almost edging out of that guy he was in the born movies he was striker in x2 which is the best super Manage troopers movie. one and two super troopers yeah. and just um uh rob roy he's amazing mm-hmm. in that uh also if you uh watch rob roy at the beginning when liam neeson's taking the quick bath in the lake if you pause it at just the right moment all the rumors are true yeah hung like a draft horse nice like okay amazing. you right, got really ready re- really ready on the pause pay for the blu-ray it's worth it <laughs> um but no so um if you're going for the the intensity of voltan i'm split between brian cox or jk simmons uh who was in whiplash and oz by the way whiplash and, like his role in whiplash there's a reason why yeah, like he did he win or did he just i, get, I think i think he I won think he won yeah he was absolutely astounding yeah just just in just intense the other, I mean, the one thing about Brian Blessed after the beard is the voice. That's his mm-hmm. his thing. He also lent it recently to a campaign to save badgers, uh, English badgers, who are cute little black and white things, not a North American How is badger. That not a surprise to me that that's the thing that he would like really get, get behind is like, pause, let me save the badgers. That's- pause this. Pause this. I'm. It's worth it. Pause the podcast. Get on YouTube. Look up Brian Blessed and Badger because um, badgers can communicate a disease to cattle. And so they're like, well, we got to get rid of all these badgers because the cows are getting tuberculosis. And and so the people are like, you can't kill the badgers. They, they're supposed to be here. And so they did like a Flash Gordon cartoon with badgers in music video. It's on YouTube. Wow. Well, we can we can stop recording if you want to go. Oh, if we need to look at it. Yeah, 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 I'll definitely look at do that. that um, so for voice... Uh, the two choices I was split here, uh, Clancy Brown, okay, the Kurgan, and yeah. and Brother Justin on Carnival, and, uh, and also I think he was in Pet Cemetery too. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not saying I'm do. I, I'm not saying I would do him. I'm just saying I bet I could trip him and be under him before he lands. Yeah, you know? yeah, fair enough. Uh, and then the other choice there being uh, Keith David, and he's another guy that's just mm-hmm. barely edged out of that guy territory. He provided the voice for Goliath on um, Gargoyles. Uh, he was in. Um, well, he's in Platoon, I think, with, he was with also Charlie in, Sheen. Uh, John Carpenter, John Carpenter's The Thing, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. He was in The Thing. Um, he's the reason we have Meltdown Charlie Sheen because he saved Charlie Sheen from falling out of a helicopter in Platoon. Yep. So uh, another one of those boy, if we could go back in time and change something <laughs> yeah, right. moments. The one know. thing that would change everything. So I'm actually split between those those That's four guys. Solid. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for Voltan, Voltan, this was probably one of the hardest ones to to make a decision on. Um, I wanted an actor that not only was able to open his mouth very wide, like uh, like the like original, a snake unhinging its jaw, almost, uh, but also 
Uh, and honestly, these two are kind of interchangeable. I'm not sure which one. I'm actually looking at it and thinking maybe my musical choice for Joss Whedon. You can't might... tell which one's your funny and which one's your serious? Yeah, because they're kind of right there. And I think the musical one, I think, would be a better choice overall. So I'm going to flip-flop them like last second. So my musical choice, my, my Joss Whedon joint funny choice is going to be Jack Black. Because he's very... Animated I will and, leap over this table, <laughs> and he's also and musical uh, and and ridiculous. And that character, Voltan, I mean, is very every, everyone does. Everyone deserves a shot at redemption, I guess. The reason why Jack Black kind of went down the rabbit hole of kids' movies is that he had a kid and he wanted stuff that his kid was able to watch, and that that's nice and that's valid. Yeah. And and I I think he just sort of got typecast as being Jack Black. That is true. And you know, it's like I, I love Kung Fu Panda because he got he almost made it through the movie without sounding like himself. Yeah. And then he just stuck a nonsense word there at the very end and like, ah, oh, tripped at the finish line. Yep, absolutely. And I, I feel like that's kind of why I flip-flopped him at the last second. I feel like his Jack Blackness might be a little bit much for the serious choice. Yeah. Um, I feel like that so, would be So more, I want to I know who's neck and neck with that now. Uh, an actor that is actually, if you haven't seen the, the TV series Legion, he's in that. He was in Men in Black 3. And he's also an a Johnny well, Knoxville. He's a well accomplished uh, musician and comedic actor that also appeared in What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, Jermaine Clement, I think, would do a pretty damn yeah, good job. I would, I would take him over Jack Black. That's why I yeah, I, I, would, I, him. I would feel take, like uh, that's the better choice between the I two. I can't believe you. Were, this this heading says serious, and you wrote Jack, Jack Black, Black under I the know, word serious. But, you know, I feel like yeah. he needed a chance to redeem himself a little yeah. bit and. And put a little bit more of a, a serious edge on a funny character. Uh, he, I think he'd be able to ride that line. But I think Jermaine Clement, honestly, is probably going to be my overall choice for, for uh, Prince Voltan. Yeah, I can see that. And now we have this one main character left whose who's casting could be a little bit prickly. A little mm, bit sticky. Yeah, and uh, we discussed this a little bit before we uh, before we started. We actually this. meant to come back and actually discuss it, and then we never got around to it. So now's as good a time as any. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the character we're talking about is Emperor Ming the Merciless, uh, who is uh, a <laughs> incredibly stereotypical Asian character uh, from the comics from the 1930s. Yeah, in in the original comics, bright yellow like school bus yellow they colored this character and and he was yellow panic you know yeah. this one of those comic book villains where the character's race is their defining character characteristic if you were to strip that away there would be nothing left of the character it was simply the stereotype of the fu manchu yeah. the evil asian overlord character um the kind of the american response to the fear of of you know <laughs> Com well, communism. communism yeah, yeah basically. communist china and, yeah. and stuff like that yeah um most of the live action adaptations though uh of course were white people mm -hmm. and only one actor was really uh guilty of, of squinting more than perhaps was proper mm -hmm. uh which was uh charles something or other from the serials in the 30s okay everyone else though Played it pretty straight. This was not like that's, this I was think, not breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, I think that's the. This, oh. was, not, this, was, not, this was not breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> nice, good, good, good poll. Um, I think that's the only reason why Flash Gordon kind of holds up as a cult classic because uh, Max did not play it as an Asian. Because we didn't have, to, we don't have to apologize for that. We don't have to sit our friends down and be like, okay, before I start it, I should tell you, you know, we don't have to do that. Thankfully, because yeah. of, of Max von Sydow's uh, presentation. But the point you brought up. The question becomes, 
do you cast a white actor and whitewash and pretend the character was never Asian? Or do you cast an Asian character and no matter how you write it, you're confirming the yellow panic? Yeah. It's there's a really no, tough... There's no good, clean answer. And I think the, the 1980 casting, having a member of the tribe, uh, another Jewish person, Max von Sydow, Jews occupy a strange middle ground between white and person of color. Because if you ask that's a, a if, if you that's ask a, a good point, if you ask a wasp, they are colored. Yeah. If you ask an African American, Jews are white. Yeah. So probably it was I'm sure a complete accident uh, that that happened. So I would. If you say Nathan Lane, I'm going to be so excited. Oh my god, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh no, he no, he'd be good for Zarkov. Oh yeah, 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 okay. yeah. But Nathan Lane for Zarkov. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, despite having made those salient points a moment ago, that was just the most articulate and sensible I've been in days and days of, of the painkillers I'm on mm-hmm. for my back. Um, no, my, my funny choice for Ming, Samuel L. Jackson. Just totally throw a, he's, just a yeah, hard he's, turn in there. He's, he's, he's tired of these motherfucking humans on this motherfucking Mongo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All yeah, right. so th- yeah, that, no. th- that was my that was my funny. That would be there would be no arguments about whether it was racist or not if Sam Jackson is in there. There would just be like, nope, Sam Jackson being Sam Jackson. Cool. Yeah. So my my original serious choice before you had brought up the um the, the yellow panic of the original comics, my first choice had been Robert Carlyle. Okay. Um who uh Ravenous, the full Monty. Uh you've seen him and stuff. I promise you, you've seen him. And he he's one of those character actors that he will play everything fully. He plays it 100% whatever character he has. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a huge fan of his. Um, but then I thought, okay, well, if we were to cast an Asian actor, I would actually like uh, Naveen Andrews, uh, who's on Lost. Oh, okay. and Because um... yeah. uh, he, he has a fairly stately bearing. Mm-hmm. And I think he could look like uh, an emperor. Uh, and if we're going with for a member of the tribe, and this one surprises even me, Sasha Baron Cohen. As my serious choice, now hold on, because that's the face I make every time his name comes up. Yeah. I hate his original characters. Diali G, Borat, Bruno. I don't even believe I know their names. You know, the yeah. dictator. I can't stand his original characters. But you give him someone else's script, and he's like John Tutoro. He's just a really solid character actor i was mm-hmm. actually begrudgingly excited when he was cast in the freddie mercury biopic I'm like, i can't stand him but i know he's going to apply himself fully to this to this role although i feel who they got to replace him is a solid choice as well it's very good and, yeah. it, and it, at least you know they're not whitewashing they got an no. egyptian to play someone from Zan- from india via zanzibar and that's really good and i know people are freaking out that they're going to straight wash him too and I, I just need to remind you guys that this movie doesn't come out till november we are recording this in early july Editing can do so much. You can take the same film stock and make five completely different movies out of it. So just because you didn't see him snogging another man in the trailer does not mean they're going to play him as straight. So just be cool and wait. The classic story of Psycho, that the original cut of Psycho was received extremely poorly before its major release. Um, Alfred Hitchcock's wife came in and helped with the editing process. She did. Uh, likewise, George Lucas's wife was one of the editors on A New Hope. And there was a great, um, I wish I could remember what YouTube channel it was on, but it was sort of a side-by-side of how he had had edited it versus how she did. And his version was so friggin' boring and slow. And it's like, we don't need all this exposition. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we accept it. Can we move on? 
it would have cost the, the state studio a lot of money and you would never have heard of it if, yep. if, if someone else hadn't jumped in and edited it. Uh, Funnier Die has a great series of, of mashups um, and there's a whole channel that recuts movies to be in different genres like um you know oh, moana yeah, as a horror movie i've seen big as a stuff like that yeah, well, so, yeah so everybody freaking out about the straight washing on on bohemian rhapsody chill yeah wait it's gonna be fine you can clutch your pearls in november if needed yeah i think it's i think it's gonna be okay okay so who are your picks for ming the merciless ming the merciless now uh th- the way that i decided to go with this is that i remember a animated series that i was a big fan of in the 1980s that had Ming the Merciless as one of the main villains. And the way that they in the 80s were able to circumvent the stereotypes of Ming the Merciless is they made him green. Oh, was it Guardians of the Earth? Uh, Defenders, or of Defenders, the Earth. Defenders of the Earth. Yep. So I figured if yeah. that's all you need, not like hard green, but just enough green tinge to the skin where it's the, the, not the, the, even, This is not a human. It's not a human. So race does not apply. Off. And not yeah. only that, but the actors that I, I decided to uh, incorporate into this character were either uh, of a minority of, of one type or another or advocates of. So okay. for the funny, for the Joss Whedon, I love the man for his music. I, I have a deep love for his music. And he's already kind of got the look already. The harder you sell this, the more frightened I get. He, I mean, he pretty much already looks like Ming the Merciless if uh, he was a leather daddy. We're talking motherfucking Rob Halford of okay. Judas Priest. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yes. I can, I can I could, 100% see him. I can him. do that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, just a little bit of a green tinge to him. And then he just... He is a leather daddy. And yes. you get him to Still do the, looks like. the Goldblum thing from uh, Thor Ragnarok where you just don't even give him a script. You just let him do his <laughs> thing in the, in the scenes. And then he's just like... Rob Halford, and then it's just Rob Halford Green uh, being the bad guy. And yeah, and there in the fun. Imperial throne room, he busts out into Turbo Lover. Yeah, and just starts like gyrating. Yeah. It would be fucking amazing. I'd be 100% on board for that. And the other is also a bald actor who is a massive advocate and, uh, and an incredible accomplished actor in his own right that I feel would add a little bit of I mean, gravitas to the role. He'd be able to make um, give it its serious tones, but also knows how to play with an a verbose character. Thing Rames? Uh, Patrick Stewart. That's your serious choice? That's my serious choice. I can't get behind that. You can't get behind that? I can't get behind that. As, it's it's not that I don't, I can't see him as a villain. I just don't see him uh I don't see him in this role. All you got to think of is Picard in the mirror universe where he's got facial hair and then you're yeah, done. Everybody with a goatee and a sash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. Then it's being uh, the merciless. Uh, no, I gotta, I gotta disagree with you on this okay, one, buddy. I, just, um, I don't see Sir Patrick Stewart as Ming the Merciless. I don't know. Maybe I'll go home, I'll Photoshop it, and it'll really grow on me. I don't know. By the way, if anybody ever wants to Photoshop our choices for uh, for characters and roles in uh, in Smack My Pitch Up, we're more than happy to uh, repost any. Oh, I'll ba- the... I'll bake you some macarons. There we go. It's it, I, like I would love to see our choices kind of put to Photoshop and uh, and and turned into reality. I actually had intended to do that, but I just didn't get around to it. No, fair way. enough. Uh, also, of... also, I don't actually know how to do that. Oh, fair enough. That also <laughs> would help um, in that situation. Now, uh, speaking of getting around to it, we are getting pretty close to the end here, so we've got to kind of uh, rush the rest of this here. Um, now, we've got mashups. We've ha- we asked our fans on social media before we started to give us some ideas for other properties whether it be tv or film or any kind of 
yeah. original. Um, and they had some they had some great and some particularly relevant suggestions. And because, a couple uh, weird ones too. There's there's some. Well, Defenders of the Earth did come up. Yeah, and that that definitely I feel you can take some not only just the use of Ming, but um, the other. You can, give, you can give Billy Zane some work and let him come back as the Phantom because that was go. one of the Defenders of the Earth. Absolutely, yeah, that, that could work. Somebody um, else I think we can get cheap. Uh, and someone had suggested Enter the Dragon, and that's particularly appropriate because one of the writers of the 1980 version was also a writer on Enter the Dragon. So there's already kind of a connection between the two films. See, that would work. Uh, now, uh, there would be a lot more Kung Fu in Flash Gordon if you were to do that. For sure. Well, but... everyone in action movies knows Kung Fu. Yeah, that's that yeah. is also that's true. also why the bad guys wait one at a time. You know, uh, the the one that I was interested in is uh, our our buddy Carlton uh, of Spider Bite Studios. He suggested Die Hard, and the way that I could feel like that you could incorporate that is that on Mongo the the big there's a ta- big big tower, well, the palace. There's could be palace. approximately it's... the size of the Nakatomi Plaza, and then you've got the uh, the Hawk people that are protecting it on the outer area and uh, Flash like flying around patrolling patrolling and Flash fights them and ends up going into a lower story area who runs into the the forest people um, so you want are, it, you want to be just one man against all so there's not going to be allies well no the allies would end up coming into play as he fights through them to try to get to Ming they realize that oh like the Pied Piper he's just going to lead he's them gonna he's going to pick them up them. as they yeah, go exactly okay. and kind of lead them up into the into the building to fight Ming at the very end he's going to have to be one charismatic motherfucker to to I, change I, all those people's minds. I mean, I, he could do it. And then at the end, of course, you've got Ming the Merciless hanging off the edge of the building and then falling uh, like in and they, and, and they drop him on the count of two, even though they told him they were going to get exactly. drop him on three so to get, get the, the to get the realistic reaction. The surprise face. Yeah. yeah. So that Die Hard could definitely work. Um, <laughs> Dwayne. Dwayne Carpenter on Twitter gave us a lot of options here. Phantom Menace. Oh, buddy. Like, I don't. This is not a realm that I ever want to play in this sandbox. No. Like it's it's Phantom Menace, no. but but I feel like you could definitely incorporate uh, the the Tatooine scenes for sure in into this, where it's just part of the environment of Mongo and and kind of incorporate. I mean, we could it that stop way. there because yeah. he goes to different planets, so yeah. we could you could stop on Tatooine just briefly and maybe liberate more than one slave while you're there. Just a thought: if you're going to buy the kid, take the mom too. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, Ben two cents worth. Uh, he also suggested Dune, which could be cool, except I don't want this to run four and a half hours. That's true. Yeah. The other one was uh, Time Bandits. And I feel like you could just do the scene from Time Bandits where they're um, with the Emperor and they're they're doing a big show and stealing a bunch of jewelry and then disappearing in the middle of the uh, the court and just do that in front of Ming. And there you go. That's the one scene with Time Bandits where as I don't know, as Flash comes in to confront Ming the Merciless, there's these just there in the little, background, lots of little people that are like stealing people stuff with then, LPA SAG cards in yes, the back yeah. and just disappear underneath a, a blanket or something. Yeah. And then just a nice little tie in. And then uh, Voltron. I would like to see like the forest people and the Hawk people and Flash Gordon uh, form a giant kind of Mechazord and, yeah. and fight Ming the Merciless, who then turns into a giant Mechazord. I feel like that might be the thing that was missing from the original Flash Gordon that would have really pulled it together to become not just a cult classic, but just a real overall Oscar winning film, I think, is that it just needed more robots. Well, I mean, yes, robots, ob- obviously. Really. Yes. It did have have the hover scooters, uh, which was yeah. nice touch. Yeah. yeah. But but it needed Rocket more robots. Uh, yes. 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 Um, and of course, She-Ra. You just replace. Uh, you just 
pop into Eternia. I mean, because a lot of the uh, a lot of the worlds in Mongo would fit perfectly well in Eternia. Absolutely. So. Or even that instead of Dale Arden as the love interest, he runs across She-Ra when he gets to Mongo and that becomes the love interest. Yeah, but then he's rendered utterly superfluous. That's true. He's basically useless at that point. because Well, then, she- then it becomes like the Wonder Woman movie where now the guy is the arm candy. I mean, if you want to put a modern touch to it, that would be the way to do it. No, I'm just saying that, that that's what it would turn into then, because we're gonna we would essentially be giving the plot over to to the heroine then, because Shira does not need his help. So basically, <laughs> what we're saying is not necessarily put Shira in a Flash Gordon movie, but pl- you could put, put Flash, Flash Gordon, Gordon in a, in a Shira, Shira movie. movie. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm concubine. <laughs> it's the concubine. Yeah. And then of course, uh, Jin uh, Baltz suggested Riccio, which you have not seen the story of Ricky, is a absolutely gratuitously violent uh, kung fu film. And I feel like if... Uh, oh, is that one a guy gets like disemboweled during a fight well, or something? The, Machete did the disembowel, but a dude gets a hole punch through his stomach in yes, Riccio. Yes, that's what my brain was trying to tell me, but then it said, no, that was kung fu enter the fist. That was that kung, kung, pao, kung pao enter the fist. And then, that might have been kung pao as well, but yeah. I think it may have come from Riccio. Yeah, I've, I've seen clips of that on, on Cinefix. I feel like a really gratuitous uh, Flash Gordon would be interesting. Like maybe a Robert Rodriguez joint. Just like get really in there. Sort and of just the, the violent part of camp. Yeah. So, yeah. Like the scene where they're putting the arms in with forest people. To yeah, see to test, the, test their manhood. To test their manhood and not get bit. And it just like, not just pokes them and then they slowly it's gonna like tear their arm off i mean rips the arm straight off and just like gore everywhere would be fantastic and i think that's about all we're gonna work on on that well uh one mashup idea that i had had would be to actually blend flash gordon and saw where (laughs) okay flash and dale because we hop around different planets and stuff but so we have these different distinct segments of the film but they're going to have to do something unthinkable to, to progress to each of these new levels to eventually sure. defeat Ming. And you by know? the end of it, they're like, uh, is it even worth it? Yeah, uh, they're, they're horribly broken people. They barely even care anymore, but they've oh, come man. through this much. So that's, that's, uh, that's upsetting. And then, of course, with my choice of James Gunn, I also thought about Guardians of the Galaxy crossover, where, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, almost a no-brainer, both stylistically and also they're in the galaxy. Uh, how hard is it for them to run across Mongo and then help in the yeah. climax of a, of a Flash Gordon film? I mean, that would be... Or, fuck, have the Guardians in a, a collector's type thing in Ming's in Ming's uh, palace. Yeah. Like the collector's area in Guardians of the Galaxy where you see Howard the Duck and there was, a, there was a, some arrested development. Well, there's, there's, and, a, there's a bit in the, in the original movie where Princess Aura is walking another person on a leash. We could just as easily sub out Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And th- then you'd be good to go. And uh, also one other note is that the soundtrack was important. And I feel like for at least the, the funny side of, of mine, uh, I was trying to think of a band that would be a good choice to kind of include. And if you have not heard of Foxy Shazam. No, but I, I like it. Um, they're very much that kind of they owe everything that they do to Queen, um, but with a little bit more of that like kind of 70s funk kind of style oh, to gonna, it. I'm gonna check that out. Um, they're very, very fun. I, I don't think they're necessarily as musically talented as Queen, but again, who is? Yeah. Uh, nobody can stand up to that pedestal, but uh, Foxy Shazam, I think for a really campy uh, kind of musical approached uh, version of Flash Gordon, it would be a fun choice. Now, uh, at this point, we've got our trailer narration to go into, so um, we're going to take a second to set that up, and uh, do you want to start with your trailer, or do you want to go second? I'll go second. Okay. 
That's usually how it goes, and yeah. for good reason. Okay, yeah. One second, let me get the music going. All right, I think I'm going to go with the Joss Whedon funny version for my uh, trailer because that's just going to be more fun here, so... In a world plagued by disaster and strange weather events, one man stands alone to fight against the tide of destruction and chaos. This fall, Flash Gordon takes on Ming the Merciless in Mongo to try to save the Earth from utter annihilation. Flash Gordon, played by Chris Hemsworth, because this doesn't sound whimsical at all, uh, goes against Ming the Merciless, played by metal legend Rob L. Halford. The headbutting ensues, and the, the aftershocks will make the entire universe tremble. This fall, join Lord as Princess Aura, and Jared Leto uh, trying to do something better than the Joker as Prince Baron, and uh, Jermaine Clement being as delightful as always as Prince Voltaire. The 1930s comic classic, 1980s cult classic, coming back to life for a new generation. This fall, Flash Gordon, the musical. All right, and that's that. That's, yeah. I, yeah, that's the heart. That's actually kind of the, why this is funny is that, like, once you're on the ball and, like, ad-libbing a trailer, it's, like, the worst thing ever, and it's really anxiety-riddled and well, I'm terrible. Well, I'm just, I'm and, relieved to see that the bottom of your note paper is also blank, so yes. I don't feel so bad. No, 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 no. No, I, I try to ad-lib because, honestly, people, I think the only reason that I have any kind of, like, career in podcasting is because uh, people like to see me make an ass of myself or hear me make an ass of myself, I guess. Yeah, schadenfreude. So. Yeah. They're just glad it's not happening to them. Pretty much. And you I'm know? more than happy to take that. You know, that's why Jerry Lee Lewis got uh, got so popular. Is people like to watch him fail. So I'll take it. That's not bad company to be in. So uh, whenever you are ready. All right. When an intergalactic warlord threatens to destroy the Earth, only one man can save us. Some guy who plays football and a girl he met at a regional airport, and the scientist that they crashed near, and some other guys, and Ryan Blessed! In theaters this fall. Flash. Nice, okay, excellent. Hell yeah. Well, that, oh man, yeah, There's there are like four different Flash Gordon movies or possibly six different Flash Gordon movies that we've discussed um, <laughs> doing on this one. So uh, producers in Hollywood uh, take note. There's plenty to choose from. Now, um, you, you've got some stuff coming up in town here in the near future, correct? Yes, I sure do. Um, those who don't have plans for the evening of uh, July the 21st should head on down to Dominion Energy Center, what used to be Richmond Center Stage, because you know how great Richmonders are with updating names of things. Yeah, uh, It's there by the Carpenter Center. Uh, for Burlesque is Coming, the only George R.R. R. Martin-approved Game of Thrones burlesque tribute show. This is the very last one. We have done this show for four years, and it is time. Uh, I know they say what is dead uh, may never die, but rises again. No, it's going away. I'm tired, and it's going to go in the closet. So head to DominionEnergyCenter.com to get your tickets, because this show has sold out in advance before. Do not 
be left out in the cold. And when's the date again? That is the 21st. The 21st? Yes. Of? 21st of July. Of July. Okay. All right. No, nothing like the last minute. Yeah. I mean, no, they've still got some time. Yeah. They still got a little bit of time. They got a little bit of time. And of course, if you need something to listen to while you're uh, driving downtown, head over to uh, yourbrainonfacts.com or look up Your Brain on Facts on your favorite app. We're on all the major podcast platforms. We being the mouse in my pocket, since I'm the only one who does it. Yeah, fair enough. Though actually, uh, Hobbit will be joining me on an upcoming episode where we look into the history of tattoo. I'm very excited about that. I've, uh, I'm excited I'm, to have offloaded two pages worth of research to somebody fair else. Fair enough. And like two pages is really tough for me to condense down to. Mm-hmm. There's so much information uh, just for my little bit that I'm adding in there. But I'm, I'm very excited to get into your studio and kind of figure out uh, how you're. Oh, you're not allowed in my house. Or, or no. Skype. <laughs> Skype works too. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But I am very excited to be on uh, Your Burn on Facts. Uh, I've been kind of binging it uh, recently. So I'm very excited to kind of get in there and uh, and uh, make an ass out of myself on it. So speaking of making an ass out of myself, if you want to see me and other regular GUI panelists make an ass out of ourselves, you can go down to Fallout on 18th Street in Richmond, Virginia on August 19th for our very special event Starship Troopers Geekified. If you did not go to our Hackers Geekified night, you missed out on one hell of a time. We give these uh, classic campy sci-fi movies the Rocky Horror Picture Show treatment where the audience is expected to participate. We have trivia. We have contests. We have all sorts of interaction that occurs along with the events happening on screen. And that is free August 19th at Fallout. Yeah, and I'm going gonna to be involved in that show whether they want me to be or not, oh, no, because the, I, I love the shit out of this idea. I, and I love this movie. And yeah, the minute that you heard about it, you're like, no, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I'm I was like, I need this. I, I was listening to the precap and messaging you. It was like, I, I will give you anything you want. I get me, <laughs> yeah. get me into this. And for those people who uh, have maybe aren't familiar with Fallout or they've kind of heard of it, but they're not really sure of it, because I used to be kind of scared of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, an alternative lifestyle establishment. Uh, some people call it a fetish club. But it is a lot more like Cheers than it is like any fetish club that you might picture. Because it's a lot of the same great people hanging out together. Get the loaded tater tots. They are amazing. Say hi to Jackie, the manager. She is my bestie. Yes. Oh, Jackie. I've known Jackie for like 15 years at this point. Bitches get shit done. That is our motto. Absolutely. And aside from it being, you know, an alternative lifestyle club on these nights where they're doing special events, whether it be shows Mm -hmm. or trivia or or movie nights, uh, it is normally and in this circumstance with the with the GY uh, Geekified Night not a members only event. Like, yes, it's normally a members only club, but when they do special events like GUI events, you do not need a Fallout membership to get in. However, if you want to sign up for one once you're inside, I'm sure they'll be more than happy to help you out with that. Which that's kind of the best part of these nights is you can kind of give yourself a look of, on how, what what's going on at Fallout, mm-hmm. and if you like what you see, like it's 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 cheap. To also, get a if you still smoke. Because they're a private establishment, you can smoke in there. Yes, that is yeah. also true. So definitely come out the uh, the 19th of August for our Starship Troopers Geekified Night. And uh, for now, I am Mike the Hobbit Pickett. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. And thank you so much to Moxie for joining us from uh, from your brain on facts and for from all your burlesque magnificence. Mm-hmm. Uh, to bring probably more facts than this podcast has ever had. Yeah, it's going to be a little bloated, a little bloated with information, well, but thank you honestly, very much for having me. not a very high me. bar because uh, this is just a bullshitting podcast for the most part. So thank you for actually bringing real facts onto this. And uh, Well, they're Wikipedia facts, so grain of salt. Yeah. But uh, thank you so much for having me and you all at home. Keep your sunny side up. 
as always, I'm Mike the Hobbit Bicket. You take the good, you take the bad, you take it all, and then you have the pitch of life. The pitch of life. GUIPodcast.com Everybody's talking about the Space Force. It's in the news everywhere. Well, we decided in honor of America's future in the Space Force, we are rocking another geekified movie night at Fallout. August 19th, we are doing Starship Troopers. That's right. That cult classic is coming to Fallout with our own special brand of interactive fun to go along with it. If you haven't come to a Geekified movie night before, trust me, you do not want to miss this. We give it kind of the Rocky Horror treatment with all sorts of contests and trivia and reenactments, stage readings, and plenty more. So come out August 19th for Starship Troopers Geekified. Find more information at GUIPodcast.com.